Now back to the City Current Radio Show, hosted by Jeremy Park. Welcome to the City Current Radio Show. I'm your host, Andrew Bartolotta. Today's guest is writer, storyteller, artist, and mother, Shelly Buck, who is here to share her heartbreaking and inspiring true story of her oldest son, Ryder, his unrelenting spirit, and how it can teach us all to leave our light on and shine bright for the world to see. Shelly, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Before we dive into the book and Ryder's story, give our listeners a uh, quick look at your career, which includes Disney, where you met your husband, Chris, and as an artist making original jewelry at Shellray Designs. I moved to L.A. from Chicago after my first job as an art director in Chicago in the advertising agency, because it had been my life stream to work at Disney Studios. So I got my portfolio together. I came out. Um, eventually I landed a job as an assistant director in animation, which is where I met my husband. Um, and we had some great adventures riding our bicycles across the country and kind of sealing the deal with our, um, our love affair, uh, quickly got married and started having children right away. Um, Ryder was my first of three boys and, um, uh, to balance out the testosterone in the house, I started a jewelry business where I spent a lot of my creative time while I was home being a mom. Um, you know, I left the film industry to do that because it seemed like the best thing for me to do. Talk about your role as boy mom and share with us the story of Ryder. So when Ryder was 22 and still in college, he called me one day and said, mom, I've got good news and bad news. What do you want first? So I said, well, give me the bad news. And he said, okay, well, I have cancer. But the good news is it's the kind that can be cured. Well, I nearly fell off the ladder I was on. I was painting um, at the high school. And um, so we dove directly into research for the best doctors, the best diet, um, the exercise that might be acceptable. Um, And he and I were joined at the hip throughout his cancer um, treatments. He would have one week in the hospital and two weeks out. And that went on. He had seven sessions like that. So it took us about nine months to get through it. And uh, when he was out of the hospital, after he'd spent a couple of days on the couch feeling kind of bad, he was off and running. And this was what it gave me fits. He was hiking, he was surfing, he was camping, he was doing gigs with his band, which was always wonderful. But the other things um, were of concern. And I couldn't get the doctor to, to tone him down. He just said, you know, you're going to have to let him be a man and make his own choices. <laughs> that was one of the hardest things I had to learn because. He was 22 after all when he was diagnosed. So um, I had to learn to lengthen the leash and even drop the leash, um, even though I was there for his every beck and call, whatever he needed. You know, if he wanted a shake, well, we made it with spinach and blueberries and ginger and all the best things I could research for cancer. Um, but most of the time he was out of the house. Uh, even when he was going through his treatment. So we we learned to um, give each other the space and the respect 
that that we needed. And indeed, it was important for me to let him pursue his um, spiritual well-being. And that was what he was doing often in nature. He was really, you know, connecting with the greater good and um, seeking his own meditative calm. Um, and, you know, he continued with the music. He, um, he wrote prolifically so much so that we ended up with three CDs of his work. Um, and uh, he was 23 when he told us, and he was just out of treatment, about a month out of treatment. And he said, I found this music class um, in Bali. I said, it's, what? He said, well, it's only a month long. What? So we wrestled with the idea a little bit, but I knew it was the best thing for him. He needed to get away from the cancer house, the cancer mom, being cancer boy. He needed to have a fresh start. And this was the right way to do it. So my husband and I bit the bullet and said, go for it. You know, so a writer spent the month of July in Bali and dove even deeper into his spiritual awakening. Um, and they have a different attitude towards death there. The writer and I had never talked about cancer being terminal. Uh, we just didn't entertain the idea. I know that he spent a lot of time contemplating his own mortality. Uh, it came out in one of his songs in particular. And um, so he came home from Bali and we just had a wonderful fall. He was going to the concerts of his favorite band and ultimately got to meet them and speak at one of their concerts. This was Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and they have a, a section in one of their songs where they ask members of the audience if they have a story to tell. And I was at that concert with Ryder and he was out of his seat before I could say, hey, honey, you've got a story. He was already on his way to the stage, got the mic, told the, the band and the crowd how much Edward Sharp had meant to him in getting him through his cancer. Um, they had been very uh, spiritually uplifting and very positive um, and he kind of wanted to fashion his band um, in, a, in a similar way in that he wanted to bring as many um, instruments in that he could create a wonderful, inclusive sound with. Um, so uh, the last weekend um, before he passed, uh, he got to meet them and he got a backstage pass from one of the band members, spent most of the night until the wee hours of the morning making friends and connecting on a deep level um, with each of the band members, so much so that when they got the news that Ryder had been um, killed, they came and played at his service um, just two weeks later. Now, he did not die of cancer. He uh, was driving home at about four in the morning through a really thick LA fog um, and his car broke down. So he started walking home on the freeway and there were two guys who thought it was a good idea to race through this fog and they both hit him. 
Um, and that was the news I got the next morning. He had spent the weekend recording. He was going back to the recording studio on Monday, and this was Sunday morning. He had gone to his brother's water polo game. He had gone down to the beach and surfed. He had taken a yoga and meditative lesson from someone. I mean, he packed so much into his last 48 hours that it was it was hard to believe. It was like he almost knew I mean, he, he was living life to the fullest because of the cancer experience anyway, but he just packed so much into that weekend and went out so high because he was so happy about the Edward Sharp encounter and where his path was musically. You know, he was finally getting some of his songs recorded. Um, he couldn't have been happier than, than he was when he went out. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, I first learned about your family in the Disney Plus documentary, Into the Unknown, The Making of Frozen 2, which features a segment in episode three about Ryder and your family. And my family and I are huge Frozen and Disney fans. So it was, I mean, of course we were going to watch this documentary, but um, but when you see the the masterful storytelling piece of this documentary, um, it really dives deeper into um to your husband, Chris, who is co-director of Frozen and Frozen 2 and some uh, other Disney uh, movies as well. But it's it's such a, a great part to learn about your family, but also how you continue to honor Ryder uh, with the scholarship um, where recipients continue his legacy through sharing their love through music. And during that segment, you also find out that there's a lighthearted and hopeful character named after your son in Frozen 2. How did Ryder approach life and what would he tell others struggling? He would say to follow your heart, um, which he did. That was what kept his light shining throughout his life and even after his transition. Um, he, We allowed it in our house for each of the boys to find their own passions and we supported that but i don't take more any more credit than that is that we just stepped back and allowed him to be him and and he found his own way um, in the world and found a way to give back that was what his music was all about he wanted to help people with his music and be an uplifting positive um, force in the world so that was what he did. Most of his early songs were love songs, um, very sweet and poignant. Uh, but he was beginning to write more universal love songs. And I was so excited to hear what he was going to produce. Um, unfortunately, that path was cut short. But we have produced, like I said, three CDs of his music, his originals. And we set up, um, before the service even happened, we had a scholarship set up in his name at the high school for music students. And we've given out um, 18 in the last seven years, um, which is just wonderful. I mean, it's these kids are so deserving and it's so wonderful to be able to give them a little boost and a vote of confidence um, because they have to audition and they have to answer questions and um, they have to interview. So it's not just an application. <laughs> um, the other thing we did to memorialize Ryder was we installed a bench on the top of his favorite mountaintop 
where he used to go and play his songs to girls or meditate or, um, you know, just uh, be one with nature. He was big. He was big into nature. Now talk about the book, Leave Your Light On, which you wrote with your friend and author, Kathy Curtis. Um, and it's really an honor to to your son and his, his life. When it came time, writer actually, after he had passed, asked me to tell his story. Uh, I got this as a message through a friend who got messages readily through from him. And so I said to Kathy, she's on the other side of the country in Indiana. I don't know what to do. I, I, I think I need a ghostwriter. I don't know where to look. Um, do I go to New York? What do I do? And she said, Shell, <laughs> hello, I'm a writer. I've written about grief. I've published my own book about it. I help people through programs I've set up um, through their grief. This is something, you know, we were made to do together. And of course I just went, oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I didn't see the forest for the trees. Um, So we started off about five years after Ryder passed, um, putting my journal into book form. I had started a journal the day he was diagnosed and kept it all the way through his passing and beyond. And um, the trick was to pare it down into something that uh, was more of a narrative and not a a journal. Um, So it tells, it's more like a story being told as opposed to reading my daily entries. Um, We named it Leave Your Light On, which is the first songwriter ever wrote and is very poignant and prescient because that was really the lesson he wanted to leave for the world. So um, Leave Your Light On tells his his whole story and then some um, all the way through his life and beyond. Shelly, where can people go to learn more about you, Ryder, and purchase the book? They can go directly to Amazon for the book, or they can go to our website, leaveyourlightonbook.com, um, because there's a little more of Ryder's story included there. And there's also a link on that website to riderbuckmusic.com, which is his music website. So there are videos and songs um, that they can watch. Uh, pictures worth a thousand words. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the City Current Radio Show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Andrew. This has been a production of the City Current Radio Show. To learn more, visit citycurrent.com and follow the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using the handle or hashtag City Current. Then tune in each Sunday morning across the Cumulus Media Nashville Network.